I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. For this episode, I'm happy to welcome Bracca Getz to the show. Bracca's passion is helping people find gratitude in life and for life. She feels that gratitude is what our souls long for, and gratitude is the key to happiness. You just have to choose to be grateful. You can retrain your mindset to focus on gratitude rather than all of the crazy things in life. She's a powerful advocate for seeking gratitude in your life. Bracca herself has overcome a food addiction, and she now wishes to help others find gratitude and thus happiness. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 41 of The Beauty in the Mess called All You Need is Gratitude with Bracca Getz. Bracca is a wellness expert and a Harvard-educated author of 41 books that help children's souls shine. She is also the author of a candid memoir about overcoming food addictions joyfully and spiritually called Nourish the Soul. Her books can be found in libraries, on Amazon, and on her website, www.getsbookshop.com. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Bracca. Welcome to the Beauty and the Mess. It's so great to have you here today. Thank you. Happy to be here. I know you're an author of 42 books, I believe it is. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And you're a Harvard graduate and all that. But before we get into that today, I wanted to kind of ask you like what your background is, what led you to do what you're doing today, if you don't mind telling us. Yeah. I would say one thing is I wanted to write the books that I wished I had as a child, books that help children's souls to shine, help children know that they are souls, and help help really young people know that you need spiritual nourishment to thrive in life. That's beautiful. So that is a motivation for me. So when you talk about spiritual nourishment, I'm assuming you mean far more than just religion, right? What are you referring to for those that are listening? One of the main things that I mean is the books teach happiness skills to children early on in life. And what the most fundamental secret to happiness is gratitude. And it's gratitude that really nourishes our hungry souls. That's what our souls are hungry for. And we fill up with gratitude. So today the world is going kind of crazy and has been for a few years now you know, people that feel like they have nothing to be grateful for. I know we all have something, but how do they change that mindset to figure out 
Yeah, that they can feel gratitude even in a crazy, chaotic environment. You know, in many ways, I feel that the pandemic was a huge spiritual push forward globally. Like we all lost so much overnight. Things that we were all taking for granted. Gatherings, being able to get together with other people, going to events, our health, right? breathing, breathing, being able to breathe. We had this opportunity to stop taking everything for granted. Like we pressed the pause button and we could suddenly take that opportunity to become more grateful for all those really basic things in life. And I think it's a very interesting thing that happened. So we all had that opportunity. And if we didn't take it, we could still take it. In other words, if a person is watching this right now or listening, they have ears, they could hear the beautiful music of birds and beautiful music that we could play. They have bodies that can hopefully move. They can enjoy the breath going in and out and sharing it with the vegetation, the symbiotic relationship that we have. It's incredible. There's so much that each person has to be grateful for. And we kind of have to retrain ourselves. And if a child could learn that early on, their life can be so much more filled with joy. Oh, I agree a thousand percent. I think to learn those lessons as a child would, you know, most of us go our whole life trying to figure this stuff out. So I know part of your pursuit in my research about you, part of your pursuit was finding what the purpose of life was. And so what did you find on your journey? If you don't mind sharing. Exactly. What I learned is that the purpose of life is to experience the greatest pleasure possible. That sounds hedonistic, but what are the greatest pleasures? The greatest pleasures are the pleasures that last. In fact, the reason like we have addictions like overeating is, is simply because we want the pleasure to keep lasting. You know, we a person can just keep stuffing their face because they feel a scarcity of pleasure in their lives. So once we recognize that there's an abundance of pleasures that we have the power to bring into our lives at any moment, then we don't have to keep doing that anymore. We can actually fill up with gratitude as we bring more lasting pleasure into our lives. So that's what happened to me. That's what I learned. I, I can share with you also it, it, something called the pleasure ladder. Yeah, please do. Yeah, the, the lowest level. Oh, it's got five levels, which I think it corresponds to our fingers. In other words, it's in our hands. It's within our own hands to bring pleasure into our life at any moment. And these five levels, they also correspond to the five levels of the human soul, which is this is ancient mystical wisdom this is not this is not coming from me so the lowest level are all the natural physical pleasures i love to give an example of an orange which at first is green because it's camouflaged in with the leaves 
And then when it's ready, it calls to us, I'm ready. It becomes bright and beautiful orange. And so it's beautiful to look at. It's beautiful to smell. It's sweet. It's juicy. And the juiciness is kept in for months by this incredible peel all around it. And when you finish it, the the seeds are meant to, and actually the peel too, is meant to decompose. And the seeds can become an infinite amount of trees and more oranges. So compare that to an orange-flavored tangy taffy where even the wrapper pollutes the environment, you know? Right. So like these are the things that were, they're, they're designed with like infinite intelligence and infinite love, all the natural things in our environment to bring us pleasure. Um, music, being in nature, natural foods, movement, dance, yoga, swimming, running. That's just the lowest level of pleasure because it's the part of the soul that's connected to the body. So when we experience these natural things, these natural gifts with gratitude, it uplifts both our body and our soul. Don't you think that the physical level is the one that we all kind of get stuck on? <laughs> because that's where our addictions occur, right? The food addiction or even gambling or drinking or, or they're all sort of trying to fulfill that pleasure or comfort or I, I don't know exactly exactly because we we do not fill up with gratitude we it's it's the sense of scarcity there's not an abundance it's not within my power I'm in this world that makes no sense everything's random I better get all the pleasure in that I can that's the feeling I had when I had food addictions it was never enough. I just kept bringing it in to try to fill up that hole, which gets bigger and bigger through the addictions. So, so these pleasures are real. All these natural pleasures are real. And when we experience them with gratitude, then we no longer have that sense of scarcity. It changes it completely. When we do, you, you'll notice when you feel that sense of gratitude, when you've just eaten some natural food, then that, that big bag of potato chips stops screaming your name, the whole container of ice cream, it, it, it's just not calling you in the same way. It loses its power over you as you take back the power. Yeah. So do you do like a gratitude journal or do you outwardly, you know, thank your creator or do you just... How do you enact that gratitude yourself? Yeah, everybody can do it in their own way. For me, the guidelines that I learned in my heritage, which which I wasn't taught as a child, this I, I learned it as a young adult when I rediscovered my lost heritage. But the guidelines in my heritage are that we make a blessing before we eat and then afterwards. And both are designed to fill us with gratitude and give us appreciation. And you can start to do it in a rote way. You can do it mindlessly too. The guidelines are opportunities, but we don't always take them. You could just mumble the blessing and not really think about it, or you could really engage with it and go to a really pleasurable place. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So then the next level up is love. Now, love, you would think, well, that can't be empowering. It's dependent on somebody else. But we can bring love into our lives at any moment if the definition is focusing on the virtues of another, which in prison, a person could just think about a grandmother that once did a kindness for them and be uplifted emotionally, inspired to be a better person in gratitude to that person for for their qualities. So that's love. Each one up is a higher pleasure. Each one brings more connection because when we're in active addiction, we are totally self-centered, disconnected, disengaged. It's a sense of estrangement. So how do we bring connection back? By bringing these pleasures into our life. And next level up, even greater pleasure, more lasting pleasure is meaning. Doing something good and meaningful in the world. So I I was on a show and I got up to that level and the guy said, oh my gosh, just the day before, he was sitting by himself. He had two slices of pizza and he was about to plow through the whole rest of the box by himself. He got a knock on the door. His neighbor needs his help for two minutes, comes back. He doesn't want the pizza anymore. What happened? He he just filled up. He filled up with gratitude. He could help somebody. He felt wonderful. Put the rest of the pizza in the fridge for the next day. That's such a clear example of how we all operate. We, When we do something good and meaningful, we fill up. We don't need that external. We, and we need it so desperately when, we, when we're feeling that void. And even higher than that, which is, which is interesting, I wouldn't expect it, is creativity. When we are in the creative zone, we don't feel like eating or sleeping and time. We don't even care. It's just like this amazing state of pleasure, even more connection. And we're, we're putting a unique part of ourselves into the world. And that gives us so much pleasure. And the highest level of all is called transcendence. It's when we transcend our own limitations. We make like that first crack in a bad habit. We, we do something new and wonderful that we haven't done before. We, it's also under a starry sky when we, we sense we're a part of a greater, much greater universe. And we feel connected to everybody and to the same source energy. We're all, we know like the veils of separation lift and we see how we're all connected. That's the highest level. And like research finds now that in the state of awe and wonder, that sense of transcendence that we create, like there's the least amount of inflammation in the body. We create, in fact, the cells that help us to fight off inflammation at the highest rate when we're in that state of awe and wonder too. So it's it's good for our bodies and our souls. I love the way you describe transcendence. I don't think I've heard it that way before, but it was beautiful. Thank you. To say that it lifts the veil of, of separation and we are, and then you feel you you finally realize how you are connected and not just to other people, 
not just to God even, but to all that God has created, right? All of nature and the animals and yes. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I I learned all of this from Rabbi Weinberg. He's no longer alive in Israel. Um, I went there after my first year of medical school. And that's when my life took a whole new path. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. So, as I, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk lately about meditation and it helping you get to a level of transcendence in a way. Do you believe that to be so? Yes. Yes. Well, every prayer is an opportunity for meditation. Believe it or not, so is dance. I mean, all of these things are ways. These are there's so many ways to meditate. We can meditate taking a walk in nature. It's it's a communion. It's a recognition of the gifts and it's filling up with gratitude. That to me is meditation and all the prayers. We have opportunities all day long to meditate on this connection, on the oneness, on the transcendence. These are these are all opportunities. That that's how I view meditation. It's a pause. It's a pause to appreciate. That's great. I was just wondering, were you trained as a medical doctor to begin with? Is that what you pursued at Harvard? I was yeah, I was studying to be a psychiatrist. Oh okay. when I was an undergraduate at Harvard, I was taking courses at the Graduate School of Public Health and Harvard Medical School. And then I went on to medical school for my first year. And then I had a six-week break between my first and second year of medical school. I went to Israel. I didn't come back for 10 years. Oh. <laughs> I changed the whole course of my life. And I guess, you know, my focus. Oh, and, and part of the reason was that even though I look successful on the outside, honors at Harvard and medical school, I was suffering from food addictions and it was getting worse and worse. By the time I was in medical school, I was suffering the most. I, I call addictions a prison. And as you get more into them, the walls get narrower and narrower. That's how it felt for me. So it looks like, oh, you gave up so much. But no, when I got there, I felt like I got what I've been looking for, what I've been searching for for years, how to nourish my hungry soul. And I didn't understand at first why when I finally was able to nourish my soul, why did I no longer need the addictions? I couldn't understand what one thing had to do with healing the other. So when I found my old diaries, my diaries, like, they, they, they document the transformation oh, wow. of developing food addictions and then healing. And this is, that's my memoir, Nourish, Nourish the Soul. And the, the subtitle is Filling the Emptiness Within. That's, that's what happened to me. So um, it's the only book I wrote for adults, and I didn't really write it. I compiled it from highlights from my diaries, then I called it journals and letters, and I filled in missing pieces to show over a 20-year span 
how I developed the food addictions and then how I healed. So for the people who can't see you, I mean, you look like a tiny, very, very physically fit woman. So did, did was your food addiction just that you were dependent on food or did you actually get heavy for a while and then then you got control of your health or? Yeah. So what happened with me is as a teen, I was a little overweight. I started dieting, like I got so into dieting, crazy into dieting, like anorexic type of behavior. Okay. And then I would fluctuate between that and uncontrollable binges. So I'd go on these binges. It was horrible. It was one or the other, like crazy and bizarre kind of dieting or bizarre kind of binges. And it was not related whatsoever to being physically hungry it was it was um so did people know you were struggling with this like an addiction with most addictions it's done in secret nobody knew how I was suffering again people just saw me as very successful on the outside and the suffering got worse and worse and the behaviors got more and more bizarre I I actually document them in my book people say oh my gosh you have such a wonderful life how could you write about like I really take people with me into these horrible binges so a person can experience just how low a person feels. It's important. If you don't feel the pain, then you can't appreciate what it feels like to heal from that. So I thought it was important to really go into the depths of of what it was like. Yeah. And so awesome that you documented it. I mean, I'm sure at the time you were writing your diaries, you never, you weren't thinking of writing a book later on. So not, not about this. No. <laughs> so how wonderful that you did that. Thank God. Yeah. Um, I have to ask also your 10 years in Israel. You know, I, I believe you're a woman of faith. I, I saw where you're Jewish and, and I, I'm a woman of faith, different faith. But to me, Israel is the Holy Land. And so to go there would have to be, I mean, I've always like kind of dreamed of it would be profound in your mind, you know? Yes. So it, did that have an effect on you, do you think? Just being there, I mean. Tremendous. Exactly right. It's the spiritual vortex of the world. People don't realize. One thing people don't usually know is how tiny it is. It's smaller than the state of New Jersey. Oh, wow. And yet so much turmoil. It's in the news so much, so much fighting, so much conflict. It's 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 this spiritual jackpot. It's a treasure. I say I feel half alive when I'm not there. That's how it feels to me. The creativity just flows when I'm there. It's an incredible experience. I think for just about everybody that's been there. I, I hope you get to go because. Oh, thank you. I do too. It's, it's not like any place on earth and you can sense that immediately. That's what I wondered. Yeah. Yes. Were you afraid at all with all the political tensions and and the religious tensions over there? Or or did you just feel that flow and that peace and that joy? Yes, there's always that fear. But I, I feel this is our homeland and we need a homeland. There's no other homeland for the Jewish people. And 99.6% of the Middle East is not Jewish. We really just want that 0.4%. We just want that in the whole world. And so it's, it's really important to us. Yeah. Right. 
So 41 of your 42 books are children's books, correct? And when you're creating these children's books, I, I just can't even imagine how, to me, it would be difficult. It must, must be easy for you, but to translate these big issues for a child to cut, like what age level are you writing to? Is it like a nine-year-old or six-year-old? What level do you target? Yeah. So there's a bunch of board books. Those are for ages one month to three years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. These board books are to see the world through joyful eyes as early in life as possible. So there's those. And then there's all my picture books. So that's from age three, I would say three to seven, focus on those years. And then pe then children start reading chapter books. And I don't write chapter books. So these are all picture books or board books. But I do find that teenagers, that's the amazing thing with children's books. With a children's book, you can reach every single age because the little children read it, the grown-ups read it to the children, grandparents read it, and then even teenagers, they pick up the books when no one's looking. So <laughs> everybody gets the message that are in the picture books and you do it joyfully. There, there was a study done. It was actually done at a Christian college and they found that it takes 400 repetitions to form new habits. But if you do it joyfully, 10 to 20 repetitions and you've got the good habit down. That's what these picture books do. Children reread books again and again and you, you write them in a delightful way so everybody likes to keep reading them. It instills good habits in children early on just from reading a few times. I have some books, and this is where my health background comes in, about the prevention of abuse. I have books about swimming safely, books about learning disabilities, teaching children how to interact with other children who are more neurodiverse, and books about healthy eating, exercise, why this is important for people to thrive and to get these good habits down early. So. I say all of my books help children's souls to shine, but 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 part of that is having a healthy body. That helps a soul to shine too. So all all these are all different types of books. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a quote the other day that said something like, you know, take care of your body because it's the only home you'll ever have. And I thought, yes, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's the home for your soul. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. We we need to take good care of it. And and by eating the food that was designed by God closer to that, then we're eating food that was designed with infinite compassion and infinite intelligence, as opposed to things like orange flavored tangy taffies versus an orange. It's a huge difference. Those foods that are designed actually to be addictive. So when our bodies respond in an addictive way, it's understandable because the food is actually designed to have that effect on us, those addictive foods. Right. And it, it's kind of like overcoming two addictions because you have the mental addiction where, you know, I, I've 
thought about it a lot lately. You know, I associate comfort to food. Yep. Like if I get stressed out and then I'll sit there and logically say, you know, talk to myself and say, why do you think this is giving you comfort? Yes. Because it's not. Yeah. But I'll eat it anyway, you know? And so you have that mental addiction, but then you also, like you said, they're putting chemicals in our processed foods. Exactly. That are making us addicted. Exactly. So then you have this physical addiction. Exactly. Like, why do we eat certain comfort foods? Because we associate them with comfort from our childhood, you know? Exactly. So if we recognize there's abundance of ways to bring that pleasure into our lives, it changes our whole perspective. I, this, I have a much more detailed pleasure ladder chart. Actually, people can download a free copy from my website and put it on their fridge or their cabinet to remind them of the abundance of ways. And you can ask yourself this question, when you feel like overeating, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? If it's my soul, and if you're overeating, it's your soul, (laughs) then you can bring in so many other levels of pleasure. You can text somebody leave a text. You don't even have to speak to them and tell them what you appreciate about them. The moment you do that, you won't feel like overeating. It's an amazing thing. You can sub in a healthier food, you know, an orange instead of the tangy taffy. You can put on music and, and, and move just a little bit. And that takes away the power of those addictive foods. It's, and you don't even have to do anything. Just thinking about all the abundance of ways you can bring pleasure into your life besides overeating, just that thought alone, it gets the neurons that are firing down here at the the top of the brainstem. They're saying, I, I got to eat this. I'm so disappointed that that happened. I fear, I'm fearful about this. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling bored. And it's, I, I got to bring in this food. And you, you go, Dim, 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 up to here to the prefrontal cortex and you think is it my body that's hungry or my soul or you say gosh if I eat this whole container of ice cream will I then feel full because you know you won't right you'll feel emptier than you did before so remember that you say 95 more spoonfuls isn't going to fill me up recognize it's a different kind of hunger and what you need to fill that hunger is connection in all these forms and you can do it it's it's it changes everything that recognition of the abundance and that you have the power to bring it into your life at any moment because the price you pay to climb any ladder any any rung on the pleasure ladder is gratitude. It's gratitude that really fills us up. That's awesome. So what is that chart on the back? I, I'm sorry, I saw you flip, flip it over. <laughs> oh, I, I, I keep, yeah, by mistake, I said, this is so, I'm glad you asked this. This is the value of something. Before we have something in our lives, it is so valuable to us. This is how much we value it when we have it. And after we lose it, it's so valuable again. 
while we have it, we're not appreciating it so much. This is the way our mind works. We have to actually train it so that we feel its value while we're having it. Our mind works like that on purpose because, you know, we're programmed to think um, of danger, of a, of a new change in the environment. We have to pay attention more. And once we get used to things, then we don't pay as much attention to it. So we have to train ourselves to have that gratitude, to pay attention. We're breathing every moment. We're not paying attention to that. But when we pause to think about it, that's when we can experience gratitude. And it's a muscle. It's like our brain is a muscle. So the more we activate the gratitude part of our brain, the more synapses we create in that section, the easier it becomes. It's like a groove. When we drive on a gravel road that has never been driven on, it's very hard and rough. It feels funny. But once you make the grooves in the road, it gets easier and easier. So as we exercise our gratitude muscles, it gets easier and easier to appreciate everything in life, even the difficult things. We begin to exercise our ability to not be so disturbed by them anymore, to understand that there's a good purpose to everything. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it doesn't knock us out of balance as much as it used to. So it's kind of just like being purposeful and your gratitude, right? Like you, you stop yourself in your everyday life and remind yourself of all these things that you're taking for granted. And it could be your spouse, your kids, your house, your car, whatever. Yes. Yes. They say the, the things that you prayed for years ago, now you're complaining about, you know what I mean? It's like, the, these are the answers to your prayers and to, 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 to not take them for granted again. It, it takes some work, but the work is joyful work. Yes. Yeah. And I think part of that, and you may disagree or agree, I don't know, but part of that seems like society kind of programs us to be negative, you know, to, to look at all the negative stuff and to complain and, and, to you know, to do the opposite of what we should be doing, put it that way. Yes. Well, we were set up with this challenge. Actually, God set us up like this. We were put into physical bodies. So it's not so obvious that we're spiritual, right? We're in this physical world. And our job here is to see the spirituality in everything. It's hidden. It is a game of hide and seek. So it's not so easy. But when we put the energy in, it's like it's an awesome feeling. There's only wonderful things that we get from that. My... My newest book for children is called Don't Read This Book. It's in the voice of that little voice in our heads that's always telling us to focus on what we're lacking. Right. There's always that part of us, right? So when we recognize that, again, we take back the power. And the minute we realize there's a voice that's trying to get us to be miserable all the time, right away it goes away. I describe it as a little fly. So when you shoo away a fly, it comes back. It's always going to be coming back to you. That's for sure. And it comes in different disguises sometimes. But we can outsmart this fly. Once we become aware of it, we have the power to do that. And that is, again, 
through exercise and gratitude because it's trying to get us to focus on what we're missing, making us miserable instead of focusing on what we already have. This is so powerful to chil- for children to learn this early on in life. Oh, yeah. it's, it's tools for living a joyful life that they can have throughout their entire lives. Yeah, because I, I think you're right. And I've talked about this in, in previous episodes, even that, you know, that little voice we have, it's our biggest critic usually. Yes. And, you know, to your point, we're never going to make it go away completely. Yes. But, but we can diminish its power because a lot of times it's, you know, it controls us because it, it makes us fearful or it makes us feel like we're not worthy or whatever. Yes but we can take its power away and exactly. And when we recognize all the ways that we are receiving compassion in this world, all the natural things we're being given as gifts, let's say a person had a difficult childhood and they didn't feel so loved. This is a way to give yourself that compassion, feel the love again, feel that, this orange was made for me to experience with pleasure and it changes everything. You don't just take it for granted. You experience it as a loving experience now. And all of that helps you to raise your self-esteem and feel worthy. I'm worthy of this orange. I'm worthy of dancing. I'm worthy of being in beautiful nature. As you do these things and experience them with gratitude, you feel better and better about yourself. You're giving yourself loving compassion with loving awareness. That's neat. So are, are you amazed? And I, you know, I, I didn't see you before all of these changes, but are you amazed in yourself on the, the path that you've taken and where you are today? That's a great question. You know, I was a really happy child. Oh, okay. Then when I went through adolescence, all these questions started coming to me, you know? And then, you know, trying to fit in, trying to be this or that, and trying to be a different shape, whatever, you know? Not happy with your own self. That's very common in adolescence. A a lot of what I wrote about in the book captures all those insecure feelings, you know? So now I feel I'm kind of more similar to the child I once was, that happy child that really enjoyed life. And in those intervening years, the world turned kind of gray. My morals just were tossed. And now again, I live a more moral life again, and the colors have returned. And the world is beautiful. So I feel like I'm very much back to being that 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 child that sees the world with wonder and curiosity. And that's why I could write these books, because in many ways, I can go back into that childlike mind as I'm writing the books. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So as we start to wrap up, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that the listeners hear today or? I, I, I just I, I just feel like sharing this story. Sure. There was a man. Let's say it's a, a story of a man on the roof of a building. He wa- about to jump off and a woman sees him from across the way 
What could she say to him to stop him? She says, what if in addition to all the problems you have right now, you must be suffering terribly if you feel like jumping? What if in addition to all that pain, what if you were also blind and right now you were just given the gift of sight? Would you still want to jump off this building? And he says, no, of course not. And she said, okay, here's the gift of sight. You have been blind all your life. There are things in your life that you can be grateful for right now. Your body's moving. You're up here. You got to the roof somehow. There are things to be grateful for despite all the pain. Open your eyes and don't be blind to those anymore and be grateful for those gifts. And that is all of us. You know, we all go through that every day. We just feel like giving up many times. This is this is part of that little voice in our heads telling us we're not worthy. So if we can open our eyes and see there's really an abundance of ways that you have the power to bring pleasure into your life, lasting pleasure and connection right this very moment through gratitude. I, I just had a thought while you were speaking too. Do you, you know, I've heard a lot about the body, you know, through God, we have the gift of healing ourselves, right? Physically healing. And do you think that when someone reaches that level of transcendence when and gratitude, when they finally get there, is that what helps the body heal physic physically even? I mean, do you think there's a connection? That makes so much sense. We know that cancer comes from inflammation. Right. We know that, you know, the less inflammation we can have in our bodies, the better. The, so we know now, the more joy we feel, the more cancer fighting chemicals we're creating, actually. So, yes, and it's, you know, it's true of so many diseases, dis-ease. The more ease we can feel in life, the more pleasure, the more joy. There were always some genetic dispositions that a person can have uh, leading them to have more illnesses than others but still this we, we we do have a large percentage of our health is dependent on us yes yeah I, I think you're right there's just so much I think that we don't even see yet I mean <laughs> so have you gone to like and if this is personal that you don't need to answer, but I just was curious, have you gone to like an all natural diet? Do you only eat like what God has provided, so to speak, or do you just eat a regular diet? Yeah. So I try to mainly eat the whole foods that God has provided, but I'm not exclusive about it. Okay. I'll eat pizza sometimes or whatever, you know? Okay. So you just try to focus more on the. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Cause I've, I've thought about it because uh, exactly what you're talking about, like to, you know, there's so many inflammatory conditions today and inflammation seems to be the root of all evil, so to speak. I mean, it's just, it causes every kind of disease and trying to get away from it is something else. The connection to sugar is there also. Yes. Cause when we put, that's what I write about and let's stay healthy. When, when I explain it to children, when we put these um, unnatural substances into our bodies, our bodies respond with inflammation because they're going, 
what are you giving me? You know, this is exactly what happens. Just like when we get a bruise and all the chemicals, they start fighting to heal us. The same thing happens. We put these um, unnatural foods made into labs, into our bodies. What is this unnatural substance? And they get inflamed. And the more we eat that kind of junk, the more inflamed our bodies become. And we don't have to be perfect. You know, we can always eat some and well, you know, the, 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 the more healthy we can eat, the better, but we don't have to be down on ourselves when we do eat junk occasionally. A another thing to do is like, there's always going to be relapses. So like, let's say if a person eats 10 candy bars, they can feel grateful that they didn't eat 50. They eat 50, they could be grateful they didn't eat 250. They're, you can always be grateful because it's that miserable feeling that gets you down and then you'll overeat even more. Oh, I already ate, ate this, then I'll eat that. So don't fall into that trap. That's that little voice, that unworthy voice. Instead, just feel grateful and it's so much easier to improve with a grateful attitude. Yeah. That, that's so true because when you do uh, make a mistake, especially with eating, you know, you feel guilt or shame or, and then you just end up eating more. Right. <laughs> trying to comfort yourself. Exactly. And it's like, don't go for that. That's a trick. Once we learn these tricks, we can outsmart them. And the earlier, the better. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love your energy. You have a beautiful energy about you. You truly do. Thank you. And I appreciate all your wisdom and knowledge that you've been sharing with us today. Thank you so much. You are such a goodness, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And I've enjoyed having you. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Brock is sharing her journey and her wisdom and her infectious energy and gratitude has helped you in some way. The main takeaway for me is that gratitude is a choice. Even when things are going sideways, you can choose to allow yourself to feel grateful. Grateful about something. You don't even have to look that hard to find things to be grateful for. Brocka shows us that as we fill ourselves up with gratitude, the longings, the addictions, they all just sort of fade away. You have everything you need at that point, and I love that. It's definitely something to strive towards. What stood out to you today? I'd love to hear from you. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person, and with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.